0: here we are at the end of yet another season of Star Trek and <laughs> people our YouTube YouTube viewers are getting quite a show right now with you fiddling Prop with your comedy. equipment over there in the other that's
1: <laughs> what you get in the visual the visual show is, this
0: is the perks of YouTube unruly unruly microphone arm because it's, it's missing the uh, the magnet right it I know'm missing a magnet. Him. Yeah, I need. That's what, I
1: honestly, that's what I need. I need like a really heavy magnet to put on the front of this thing to just weigh it down.
0: One of those um, <clears throat> hanging sandbags that you put on like the ba- bottom of a, a mic stand or something, so it doesn't fall yes. down. Just put a little yes. sandbag <laughs> over it. Or the uh, people in like the growing up kids would have the uh, the sort of portable basketball hoops, and you just would have to find heavy oh, things to put right. on it so it wouldn't flip over. Yes. Anything like that is what you need. So Mm -hmm. you need to find a a dad. Not me. I don't have a basketball hoop, but you need to find a dad somewhere who knows what to put on that thing. All right. So end of another year of Star Trek. And as is the tradition ever since TNG's third season, uh, you go out with a blockbuster, cliffhanger, balls-to-the-wall action fest when you're closing out a season of Star Trek. And here we are with Learning Curve, which is all those Mm -hmm. things and more. And less. Yes, you're excited. <laughs> no, um,
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, I was, I was, I was really surprised to find out that
0: this was the season finale for a number of reasons. Um, yeah. Did you realize it before you were watching it, or after it was over? Were you like, no, not season two?
1: As well, I, I just, wa- I, I started the episode and I wanted to make sure that I was watching the right one, so I pulled it up on IMDb and I saw that it was the finale. Uh, about halfway through the f- opening holodeck sequence with the little creepy children, and uh, I was just like, "Okay, I mean, this is an interesting way to finish out your season with some yep. Victorian fiction holodeck work." Um, and going back uh, to that yeah. well,
0: going going back to that well deserved well of uh, Janeway loving her gothic novels but anyway let's get the let me get the info out of the way here for this finale this is called learning curve it's the 16th episode of the first season it's a short season but it's over came out on may 22nd 1995 it was directed by david livingston written by ronald wilkerson and jean Louis Mateus, i believe in university 4884 4, 8, point5 which is 2371 in this one called Learning Curve, Tuvok conducts a training session for Maquis personnel. Meanwhile, Voyager's bioneural gel packs are mysteriously failing. Um, so this is, I mean, to get it out of the way, this is a bizarre finale, really, uh, yes. when you think about it. There is a production reason for that, which is that the first four episodes of the next season were produced in the first season, but were held back to air in the second season. So this is not planned as the finale for the first season. I, the- I'll be completely
1: honest with you. <clears throat> the number one thing that I am curious about when it comes to season two of Voyager is what Janeway's hair looks like. Because I am still convinced that that one episode that we saw where she had different hair <clears throat> was produced later than the other ones and that mm-hmm. that will be her season two hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly <laughs> I'm focusing on all the important things when it comes to the show.
0: She, um, it could have just been a different girl, a different makeup girl. I'm assuming it's a girl, but makeup person who did her hair that day came out a little bit different. I I honestly don't really remember her hair. Her hair is um, as vague as the motivations of the Maquis to me in this show. Really, she's she's (laughs) she's just a she's a being. I'm not. Uh, We'll talk. Wes, I don't know.
1: I don't know what's so vague about motivations. Um, (laughs) What's his name? Darby or whatever his name tells uh, a pretty. (laughs) <laughs> Pretty succinct graphic story about what his motivations are
0: anyway. Well, outside of that, we'll get we'll get to Dalby when we get to him. Kenneth Dalby. Um, Delby. Dalby. I think it's D-A-L-B-Y, Dalby, Dal, something Dalby. like that. Dalby. Anyway, uh, so it's a strange finale, but it wasn't intended to be the finale, which maybe fixes things, it doesn't fix things, but it makes you realize that it's not intentionally the way that they ended the season this way all that stuff. Uh, this is an episode that I think at least, uh, I found it to be, I found this to be maybe the weirdest episode of the season in a lot of ways. Mm. I thought that it was, um, I thought that it was like charmingly stupid in, in a weird way. And I, I didn't know, I know that they were trying to be funny occasionally in this one and that they like the cheese thing is clearly a joke. Like they're trying to be funny with the the cheese infection of the ship. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also, like, I thought it was a pretty stock standard uh, Star Trek story in all the wrong ways, except it had this weird, is iconoclastic the right term? It had this weird charm to it, which I think really comes down to um, the Maquis in this one, right? So I think there's, like, a whole bunch of weird aesthetic stuff about this episode. So... First of all, this, is, this episode made me really stand out that I don't like the uniforms in this season of Star Trek. Oh, I think that interesting. they're interesting. I think they're tailored <clears throat> terribly. It looks like good cosplay to me. It looks like, like none of the uniforms yeah. really fit anybody all that well. And mm-hmm. it doesn't look like they uh, were built with them in mind. They look a little bit baggy. They look like that out-of-the-bag Halloween costume, which is just a little <laughs> baggy on you that you put on and you wear it around. But It just, also, it just
1: hangs really straight off of yeah. your Legs and your arms. You know. There's
0: there's no there's no tailoring to it. There's no sort of right, tightness right. around the chest or anything. Like later DS9, all those vests look very tailored to people. Like it looks like they're, they're just designed for you. But the other thing is like, just on a weird aesthetic thing. Like the people they chose to play Maquis in this episode are some of the strangest, most toast boring, forty year old teacher like junior high school teachers that they pulled yeah. out to do this. Like. I think that Dalby looks that way. The woman who's got her headband, that Tuvok sort of roasts for a little bit, which I thought was nice. But this—they're supposed to be like this group of rebel freedom fighters, and aesthetically, in their horrible fitting uniforms, in their weird bland faces, they just come across as kind of like um, strange, like goofy in a weird way. Like there's there's just something weird about the atmosphere of this episode that I I liked, but at the same time. Thought really undermined whatever they were trying to do at the same time. So it was kind of a, a, a pluses and minuses thing.
1: Yeah, I could not wrap my head around what they were trying to do with that Bajoran kid. Like uh, his his portrayal is so like nineteenth century emo poet, where he's just like <sighs> just kind of like <laughs> drooping, drooping around and not really saying anything. Yep. And I I couldn't get a, a feel for what his Deal was supposed to be, yeah. Um, really, all of them I mean, except for Dalby because obviously he gets to uh, to tell his story that starts off like the lyrics to a Four season song and then ends <laughs> horribly.
0: <laughs> um, ends like a very but, bad night, bad night out of Four Seasons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, what a night
1: indeed. Uh, <laughs> I, I, j- yeah. It was a weird group because, like, I wish. I guess I wish that they had get, had a little bit of a uh, time with them before they sent them to training, so you kind of got an in, like an inkling of what
0: their hang-ups were. In the uh, episode, or you mean like recurring characters throughout the season? I, I, I guess
1: in the episode because it's obviously they just you know pulling these pulling these characters in for the episode. But yeah, it's just like it's yep. it's it's, <laughs> it's it's hard to really like get into these characters when you've never seen them before and then Tuvok's like you blue man I've been told that you seem to talk a lot he's like well <laughs> yes I do I mean I guess I talk a lot <laughs> but is that really is that really something to be be taking a down a peg for? it's like it's I don't yeah. know it's it, it, it's um
0: do you remember it's not exactly a dirty dozen you know do you remember the episode in DS Nine Statistical Probabilities, which is the Bashir episode, where he meets that misfit misfit cast of characters who are the like super geniuses, basically. Yes. Um, and they predict the war is going to end badly for Starfleet. Yes. They felt like that group, except that group had a, re- a reason to be sort of misfit toys. Like they were, they sure. were sort of broad characters because they were kind of yeah. supposed to be like um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. E kind of like they're yeah. supposed to be unhinged a little bit. These guys aren't. Mentally um, sort of off the beaten path or they're not like mentally or ca- like personality unusual but they're they're ju- they feel like they have that kind of energy, but for no reason whatsoever mm. like they they should yeah. be a little bit more it, it makes it all the more weird when they have their scene with Chicote where Chicote just goes bad cop like uh Ciprico on him and you know it's just uh, <laughs> with goes and does that punch thing and you know, that, like, it, it's, it feels just like it's a it's a weird ex- episode of, like, a bunch of different stuff where the portrayal of the Maquis doesn't align with how serious that Chicote scene is supposed to be, which is that he is yeah. go- reverting to his, like, pre-Starfleet Maquis ways where he's going to deal with um, not the Starfleet way, it's the Maquis way or whatever, and it's punching people and acting vaguely it. His- it's just none of it meshes. You know, it's like yeah. funny. It's not funny. It's silly. It's not silly. It's punchy. It's not punchy. It's all that stuff.
1: Yeah, um, I, I almost kind of wish. I mean, I found it strange because you you meet Dalby, and he <laughs> has a very um, uh, he he blows he blows up at Tuvok like someone at, <laughs> someone at Target got told that to put to put the dress back because it wasn't on sale or something. He's so uh, chipper
0: when Tuvok approaches him too. He's yeah. Like, yeah, I fixed the gel pack. It's it good stuff.
1: Yeah, and then, and then and then he's like, "I'm sorry, sir. Those coupons don't work on on these items." And he just loses his shit. <laughs> um, but like the other ones, and, and, and the the catalyst for the whole training thing is not. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a pressing need. It's just like, no. yeah, I mean, you know, the the Maquis guys aren't quite gelling. Uh, so maybe we try this out, and then then Janeway's like yeah, Chakotay, pick some people to send over, and it's just a random group of guys, a yeah. group of people, except
0: for Dalby, who we just met. Except but for the, Dalby, the other, yes. the other ones are different. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's just totally random. So I I found myself like being like, okay, I mean, I guess these guys don't seem that bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: <clears throat> it's because uh, Tuvok speaks to them. Like, you know, they're the biker gang from hell that he's been right. having to deal with. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like there, there's no i I almost expected there to be a scene where Jane after she tells Tuvok to do this and he leaves the room or whatever to for Janeway to say to, to Chicote, you know, honestly, I think he needs this as much as they do. Or something like that. Right. Where it's <laughs> like
0: Tuvok <laughs> it makes it all message. Tuvok,
1: Tuvok's being like too intense, so the goal is to take them th- to teach Tuvok something is as, as much as it is to teach you. And that is ultimately what they're doing. That's the story what it is. is yeah. Except they, the point of know, the episode. It, it gets, it gets through Neelix as opposed, as opposed, but it's not like, that's not like the point of, of why Janeway tells him to do this. At least it doesn't feel that way. Um, no. but yeah, and I, I kind of wish, I kind of wish it was like, you, there was a little bit more. Maybe if you, maybe you don't have to meet all of them in the beginning, but I, I kind of wish there was a bit more leaned into of like these marquee guys. They're just not. It's they're kind of causing a little bit of chaos because they do think so differently, and you know this is happening. Blah blah blah. And you know, so like, just give a little bit more I mean, of a feeling that there's there's this group is not meshing.
0: I'm expecting like a West Side Story taped-at-the-wrist knife fight between right, this gang right. and Starfleet at the start, you know, and it doesn't – I think that they <clears> – <throat> this is one of those episodes where you can do the cliché um, fight in Ten Forward or the fight in the in the cafeteria scene where, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a, a little bit of a brouhaha. That's not serious, but it causes Tuvok to go you know, in there and he tries to separate them.
1: You know what actually would have been great? If you did have that, right? So, like, maybe instead of Dalby uh, throwing a hissy fit when Tuvok – Ask some about protocol or whatever. You had a scene where you've got some um, Starfleet guys and you've got some Maquis guys, and they end up getting into a fight in the galley, right? They start for whatever reason, and so then they get reprimanded. And basically, from that point on, you do it like Star Trek Breakfast Club, where you've mm-hmm. got a, a group of <laughs> a group of Starfleet guys and a group of Maquis guys, like four or five of them, who have to force
0: to work together. That kind yep. of thing, which not is not in the uh, brig, not not like detention or anything. They're just they're in the no. Brig it's with each it's, other it's
1: essentially essentially the same story, except you've got like a, a meshing of the two groups instead of just Tuvok and just the Maquis. Right. Because ultimately, I feel like this the resolution to this story. I don't think is strong enough to really do what they're trying to do. because um, Tuvok doesn't really. He doesn't really save him. He just kind of also falls over at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, but uh,
0: yeah, he shows I, them I, his heart. You know. he shows them, right? He shows them he was trying to rescue him. My thought about the like the uh, the ending, not to distract, you, is just that uh, it's one of those endings that feels like they they ran long and just had to cut it at a certain point. they like, so, it's mm-hmm. just you know, they made it out. That's that's fine. It, it, it ends very um, abruptly, especially for a a season finale. If you think about it that way, it's like wow, that's. That's it. It's just Tuvok sort of limping off to go to sickbay or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't build uh, the ending. It, it, it's a really just kind of trite Star Trek working together story, you know, where it's yeah. like you you recognize the beats and you don't even really think about that. The story itself doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense when when they get to the end and Tuvok, you know, becomes a hero to them and they save him and everything like that. But it's like, do you think? I'm sort of just playing devil's advocate here. Is it apparently in the production of this one? It was the decision of what the A and B stories were going to be, and that mm-hmm. they felt that they were uh, they had cracked the episode when they realized that the Tuvox story should be the A story instead of what it was originally supposed to be, which was the B story. Sure. Um, would you agree with that, or do you think do you think that there's any is there any reason to make the sci fi plot the cheese infected? Neurolink stuff—the a plot of this episode—and I guess that's the reason you would do that is if you don't think that the character work in the Tuvok plot is sufficient to do anything other than just this little mild story where Tuvok makes some friends very quickly over twelve minutes. Um,
1: I, I I wouldn't switch it. I think they do. I think they made the right choice. I don't think that. Yeah. I don't think the uh, sci-fi stuff is. I mean, the the best thing about the sci-fi stuff is how weird it is. Um, and I don't really think it's, there's, there's not enough there in, uh, uh, there's not enough, uh, interesting stuff there, I think to, to carry that as the, the, the thing to, for it to be the thing that carries the episode. Yeah. Um,
0: do you think like, you know, stuff is interesting enough? Like, I guess that's the argument is, I, is the character work here better than that. Could you, fl- could you fluff up the sci-fi plot to be more interesting? And to make it a different, better episode, I guess.
1: I, I honestly don't really think so. Um, I think the 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 characters, the the contrasting characters having to work together and learn to coexist is is always going to be better than. How do we deal with sick stinky, cheese? Yeah, stinky <laughs> cheese. <man>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really like the, um, the sweating for some reason. That was great. To, yeah, was trying no, to show how it, hot it is.
1: It was the, I. I really like that plot line for uh, for the doctor. The doctor yeah, he, he's was great. was fantastic. Yeah. Where he Not keeps sweating. calling in. Yeah, he's so chipper about everything while everyone else is sweating to death. It was it was really good. I like that stuff a lot.
0: And um, Kess is good too because every scene with the doctor has Kess looking at him like she can't believe that uh, yes. that she has to work with him. <laughs> She's covered in sweat. Um, see, because I. I didn't really like the – like, I don't care about the – whatever they call them, Neurolink gel packs or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, that doesn't particularly interest me. But I did like the idea of this cheese causing a, like, bacterial infection in the ship. Sure. I thought that that was kind of neat. And I I even liked the resolution of the fever being the thing that will fix that. I was like, oh, that's kind of mm-hmm. fascinating. I was just wondering if – um. I don't know if it would be good or not, but I, I, I liked the fever sequence so much that I wondered if you could stretch that out to 10 minutes where it's like 10 minutes of the crew borderline losing control over themselves. So like it's like a yeah. fever dream sequence or something like that, because um, and the doctor is the only one with any sort of rational uh, stuff still going on. I I'd. I didn't know. I, I think that I would agree with you, and I wouldn't really want to change this from the Tuvok thing being the A storyline. But it's it's kind of a weird episode to me that I think you could do either and get away with it and be okay. Mm. It's not like it's not like the Tuvok stuff is so great that you feel that the A the sci fi plot is just kind of tacked on to fill up ten minutes, and it's not like the sci fi plot is so bad you feel that it's just filling moments that they couldn't do anything with the Tuvok stuff. Right, so, right. It, but but also both of them are just okay you know it's not this Mm -hmm. there's no there's no uh singing from the peaks and uh looking down into the valley or anything it's all just like "Eh, that's fine i guess this is an okay episode
1: yeah i think the sci-fi stuff is i think if you beef that up uh or cheese that up in this case Mm -hmm. um i actually think it would make a lesser version of the Tuvox stuff stand out as as being not fitting the episode. Because if you're if you're going to go with the cheese thing, where the ship gets weirder and it starts causing weirder things to happen, I think if you're cutting back to a fairly normal training session, yeah, I think yeah. it, it it would be too jarring. <clears throat> it's true. Um, whereas I think the way that they play it, the. Uh, the problems with the ship play into what's going on with Tuvok and, and and these other guys by being a bit of a catalyst for the whole thing. And, and then it, it, it ends up being the thing that uh, activates the final sequence with them where they have to get out of the I, – I just think that final sequence is, is really lacking because um, mm. <laughs> – I didn't. <coughs> excuse me. I didn't find it super compelling that they just all got locked into a room and then started choking to death on gas. And then they're like, "What do we do?" And Tuvok's like, "We can only assume that whatever's happening outside the, this room and causing this room to explode and fill with poisonous gas <laughs> is by design of Captain Janeway. <laughs> She's a great captain. She's- and then and then he's like, then then he drops the uh, the. St- the Starfleet, the Starfleet regulation is now officially the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah. <laughs> he just yep. tells everyone to leave the guy to die, <laughs> <laughs> which obviously he doesn't. But it's just it was a weird. It didn't have the that whole sequence didn't have the pulling together aspect that I hoped it would. Sure, um, like I think I think another version of that of of that end sequence is. Um, Like they are – they start heating up the ship and it gets to the point where the bridge crew all pass out and they can't handle something. So then the other guys have to band together to to, to finish the job or something something like that. You know, Where they actually have to work together instead of it just being like kind of deceptive on Tuvok's part.
0: It's interesting because it kind of thematically (laughs) matches where you could align the two stories, which is that the fever of the ship cures the ship. Mm -hmm. And you could thematically tie it into this group of Maquis and Tuvok reach their boiling point, and then that fixes things. You know, so like you can, there's like this heating up of both storylines that then result in fixing the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that the the fever stuff in the sci fi plot works because it's kind of interesting, but the resolution where Tuvok and them get to their heated argument here doesn't work in terms of just like what are they even talking about? Like why why does this why do they respect Tuvok at this point and why does this it it almost feels like you'd want the stories to dovetail in that the the disagreement of Tuvok and the characters is also what finds the cure for the ship at the same time. It's surprising they didn't tie that in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think
1: that's what I'm talking about, where I, I think they weren't tied together in a meaningful way that I feel like is the, the way that they usually do these types of stories. Um, yeah, and it's just the... <clears throat> I And it, it was the, the scene after they pull Tuvok and the Majoran kid out, and they have that, like, 80s sitcom moment where they're like, don't ever do that again. And he's like, trust he looks, me, I won't. Looks at boop, 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 boop. And then they're like, freeze frame it. <laughs> Uh, that was a little bit strange and it didn't, it didn't really feel that genuine to me. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a, I think there's a good story in there, but I don't think I, I like not that being said, I actually enjoyed this episode. Hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. Um, I liked the doctor stuff. I liked, uh, the cheese stuff. I liked the, the fever sequence. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was just something missing for me with the Tuvok plot ultimately. Like it wasn't it it wasn't fun enough. Yeah. Like the, the the there was no kind of back and f- the back and forth sparring. I didn't find that engaging. Uh it just kind of seemed like Tuvok being a dickhead the whole time. Well, Tuvok
0: lacks So it, 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 there's kind of an interesting distinction that happens here, which is that Uh, Spock, Tuvok, and Data are all supposed to be the same kind of character in in these Mm -hmm. shows, right? But Data works better in these kinds of storylines for some reason. Because Tuvok is not as naive as Data is, where Data running into a group of misfits confuses Data because he can't really think about what this means. Tuvok is in this unfortunate position where they can't fool him. But there's nowhere left to go for the comedy to come out at that point, unless there's something like more broad going into it. Like it's not the serious stakes here of Starfleet versus Maquis uh, protocol or non protocol. There's more of like a um, a lightheartedness to it, and I don't think that happens here. So all you get is what you're saying, which is that Tuvok's kind of a dick because he sees through their bullshit, so he has to be to be able to get around it. And these guys don't think that. <clears throat> they don't have a playful outlet to get one over on him because right. it's very serious at the same time. Yes,
1: like th- that's the key to these types of stories, like your Dirty Dozens and, and stuff like that. Is ultimately there's something charming about the shitheads that that are being dealt with, yeah. and uh, ultimately the hard nosed drill sergeant learns to respect these guys. Um, via shenanigans usually yeah they just have and, a different outlook yeah, we're, yeah. All,
0: we're all going on the same team we just have different outlooks yeah
1: yeah and I never got it never really got to that point with these guys the all of the all of the Maquis guys were were really kind of milk toast and not particularly charming or interesting yeah. and Except Dalby, for the bullion.
0: i like the bullion he's yeah he's he's, he's
1: fun he's fun um and dalby's just kind of like a a downer. Um I wanted to ask who had who had the more jarring origin story in Star Trek this past week. Uh Dalby or Laan Nunian Singh on Strange New Worlds. Probably Dalby. Yeah.
0: Felt um felt like he, I honestly his his little monologue feels like he's it's the kind of story where maybe you feel you're telling a story and it's not landing the way that you expect it to. So you're like, I gotta, I gotta hit a button on this. <laughs> I'll yeah. bring up Cardassian rape gangs and everyone goes, Whoa. it was so, it was so weird because it
1: starts off like a, like a, like a love song or something. It's like uh, <laughs> just a small town girl living in a lonely world. <laughs> <laughs> Took the midnight train going anywhere, and then she was raped and killed by Cardassians. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: he took a half measure when he should have gone all the way is what he's trying yeah. to tell Dubak.
1: I mean, it's still, it's still. I don't know. There's something really hilariously jarring to me about that story about uh,
0: Laon's <laughs> Lon. family being turned into human body
1: bags for <laughs> hatching
0: <laughs> gourds. <laughs> People can listen to our coverage of Strange New Worlds at patreoncom slash file. That one, like, so I, like I, th- this will tie into my other thing that I wanted to mention about the the lawn story. At least it is jarring and strange, but at least to me, it somewhat feels like it fits in the Strange New Worlds universe. Mm-hmm. Dalby's story doesn't like it feels it feels a. Oddly adult to even say the word rape in Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Th- like that he didn't just say she was attacked by three Klingon men or something like that. Right, go, oh, right. I know what the show's talking about.
1: And the other thing is that soccer injuries, that's what they're talking about.
0: Is there is it possible like I also in this episode think that I see what the producers of modern Star Trek look at and go, "We can never do that." Never do that. No matter what we do, don't do that. And that scene is when Tuvok and them are running through the ship, doing their exercise thing. Mm-hmm. Modern Star Trek is very conscious to not be so uncool as those sequences are. <laughs> yes. But those sequences are they pretty charming, but they look terrible. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just look terrible. They don't they don't look good in any sense. The set isn't designed to do that. The characters look ridiculous in their outfits, and they're, they're wearing Air Jordans, <laughs> which is a funny <laughs> touch. And they're wearing backpacks. It doesn't... It doesn't work whatsoever. But I, I've never been more aware of the difference between the older Star Trek stuff and the newer stuff, which is that even when Discovery does its um, Tilly and Burnham are running through the ship for exercise, it doesn't feel like this, right for, for, right? for better, in my opinion, but it doesn't feel like this stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this is supposed to come off as kind of goofy. It is. Um, yeah. It's definitely so you to, supposed to have
0: you like. You're not going to. um, I guess the difference is you. um, A new person can watch the modern track and kind of understand the tone better. Where here, I think if you showed this, you'd be like, "This is a silly show." You know, like this is kind of silly thing that's happening. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I understood as they got into it why they chose to run through the ship. But the first thing I thought was like, "Why? They have a holodeck. Why are they running through the ship?" Yeah, that's when true, he, too. But I, but I guess the reason was because he wanted them to be better acquainted with the ship and stuff, so...
0: Yep, yep. It's a small ship, too. Voyager's pretty small. You could run back and forth pretty quickly on Voyager, yeah. I think.
1: I, I do think, I mean, like, kind of showing where there's a disconnect in the tone a bit in those sequences and how it doesn't quite land, this sort of, like, sparring between them, is they, when they finish their run and... Tuvok then informs him that he lowered the he increased the gravity on that section to make it harder. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> but it didn't like it just was was said so matter of factly with no real follow up to it. It just went from that into, by the way, you two, we lapped you three times, so you owe yeah. us three more laps around yeah. this room. And it's just it's I don't know. It just wasn't it didn't have the zip of these of these kind of uh yeah, drill sergeant, drill sergeant and unruly crew. And also, I mean, you need a Bill Murray, right? You need a, you a Bill Murray character, you know, or John Cassavetes in the, in the case of the, uh, the Dirty Dozen. And Dalby is not that character. He's right. He's really inconsistent because he swings wildly from, you know, when you first meet him and when he's uh, messing with the goo there at the beginning he comes out and he's just like hey yeah i was you know i was just checking this thing it wasn't working so i figured why not check the goo and of course the goo was bad so i had to take the goo out and then he hard turns into screaming at Tuvok about not f- about Protocol. being reprimanded and then for the rest of the show he's just like this really kind of like gruff dude uh talking about cardassian rape gangs and stuff and it's <laughs> just it just never yeah.
0: yeah i know
1: yeah and it just never, it never really gels for me in that sort of, um, these two hard-nosed kind of, like, people with different outlooks on stuff now have to come together, you know? So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd 100% agree. It's, um... In contrast to the the tone that you mentioned about uh, Tuvok saying he increased the gravity and then tells them to run more, I'd... Like, I, I genuinely <clears throat> thought that the, uh... When he shows up and meets him for the first time, and he, he makes uh, I think his name is Chelly, the, the bullion, when he makes him run laps around, and he's the scene continues, and you can see the actor running around <laughs> in the background. Mm-hmm. I like that, like that's that sort of subtle comedy that I thought worked pretty well, and it, it looks like it fits in the Star Trek uh, aesthetic that this show has. And I, I thought that that was decent, but again, um. Was this was this one trying to be a comedy, the whole way? Is it, I like was don't, I the thing know. here to make this a comedy, or is this a drama that has some lightly funny moments in it? I'm
1: not totally sure, because like the 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 sci fi plot is pretty objectively meant to be funny, yeah, but they don't really play it that way. Like you you definitely could have leaned a lot harder into. Get the cheese to sickbay. <laughs> yeah, get the cheese to sickbay. You know, yeah, like it. It had the, it has a little bit of that like subtler like. I know this is a weird comparison to make, but like RoboCop element f- humor to it, where the yeah the things they're, they're saying are ridiculous. Yeah, they're treating but it they're seriously. They're treating it seriously. Yeah. Um, whereas I think, on a show like this, you would expect it to be a little bit more uh, aware of itself and uh like that's i feel like that's a scene where on tng data would say something like get the cheese to sick bay and then they'd cut to riker who does like the eyebrow
0: thing and like looks around <laughs> like what, what did he just say because I, I, I actually like the airplaneiness of it. Like I, yeah, I think that yeah. like when when Tuvok and Torres are like scanning the cheese as it's under the, the thing, and they're they're talking about like where did the cheese come from, and like it must have mm-hmm. it must have dematerialized and gone up into the vents or something like that. It's, I thought it was. Um, I really like I, the part where he's where the doctor's
1: talking about his need to increase his, to improve his bedside manner.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think all that stuff. I think that's the right tone for Star Trek comedy. Actually, which yeah. is to not yeah. have the characters being on the joke. I can be. A, right. I, I understand like the TNG crew is kind of family, and they'll raise eyebrows at each other. But I, I do like the they're still professional. They're still pros doing a job, no matter right. what how ridiculous right. it is. And I like that. I, I think that. I I think that my. My overarching problem with it is that I think it wants to be a comedy, but it's not funny enough in the Tuvox side of things to be yeah. to be yes. fully a comedy. And so when you mesh those two together, you have a semi-serious Tuvok storyline running into the cheese infection storyline, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, one of the one of the two is the better way to go.
1: Well, you know what's funny is this uh, this episode feels like it could have been an episode of Lower Decks, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, yeah. I feel like it has that sort like imagine. Imagine the, the the Maquis are uh, Boimler, Mariner, and the other two, and instead of Tuvok, it's the uh, the what's his, what's the fuck is his name? Um,
0: uh, the first officer, the,
1: the security chief. Oh, the Shrax, security, right. our, yeah, Shrax. Yeah, so it's Shrax running that stuff, and then you've got this other plot where it's it's about space cheese and stuff like that. Feels like yeah. that feels like <laughs> a, does, a lower yeah. decks plot
0: but I here, here it's, it it's just, just
1: the cheese what's that yes i know that would I be a great we, callback that actually. would be a good callback yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think here it's it's not quite the Tuvox side i, I think it, i think you're right i think if the Tuvox side was more engaging and was funnier than the dryness of the cheese plot um i think would read more as a comedy in in contrast yeah
0: the show definitely would have aged better <laughs> <laughs> that's how I think we're done talk about it. do we have any thoughts about, like it's, it's clearly well it's clearly not a finale so it's hard to talk about it as a finale but mm-hmm. that's it for the season we'll have we'll do a wrap-up episode but that's it for the season of Voyager um just brief thoughts it went by quick it was yeah. sh- it was a short season yeah. but that was a fast season of Voyager that we just went through yeah I um,
1: I, um, I, I mean I I I hesitate to say. I mean, I obviously it's shorter, but I was going to say Enterprise never felt like it moved this quickly, and I was going to say I thought it was because we were doing other stuff while we were doing. But we've been we've been doing other stuff the entire run of Voyager so far, and still feels yeah. quick.
0: Last season of Enterprise is probably equal or close to the number of episodes that are in this one. Mm-hmm. I think I remember saying that the last episode of enterprise was fast, but the last en- season of enterprise also just had like five stories in it. That's all, right. You know? yeah. like, so it yeah. felt short. Anyway, I will have a wrap up. We'll do all that stuff. So let's get to our final thoughts and the patron thoughts and everything about learning curve. If you guys enjoyed the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Support the show there. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best way to support the show. You get extra stuff. We've been covering Star Trek Picard season two. We're covering Strange New Worlds season one. Clay and Amanda have the second string of Stephen King going on. There's occasionally badass stuff. Whole bunches and oodles of stuff. There's a hundred plus podcasts over there that you can get access to for $5. And some of them for $3. But the $5 tier is where you want to be if you want everything that's coming out these months. So, as always, we give a special thank you to our Captain Tier supporters, who are top tier supporters. They include Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Andrew Chalock Joint Mango, Christian Pouch, Calbert, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Michael Pond, Matt Cullen, Nick Sergey, Grim Sando, Sean Bradley, Brandon Hells, Bradley Killens, Vault Thirteen Hero, Dwayne Hackett, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell O. Stephen Min, Darth Marsh, Twenty Eight, Derek Sajak, Paul Orosco, Jacob One Two Three, Patrick Seaver, Dave Davies, Point XRG, Barry Wallace, Jimmy Crow, Captain Brazen, Eric Sanchuan, Jakey's Gamer, William Schysler, Nick Larat, Rayhan Jaffred, Grapple, John Zorn, Zane Majors, Olivier Part, Dewey, Tom Hickey, Jose Hutchers, E W Enough Remixes, Captain McMunchausen, James McLane, Tommy Tango. Jonas Tuveks Must Die, Diz Brada, Admiral Nakamura, Maura, Clef, Ed Starr, Chris McLaughlin, Royo, Jeremy Boudreau, <laughs> J-Man, Alec DeWolf, The Undiscovered Mugato, Robbie Duffield, Will Clay, Atanga Udom, Artorius, Zalen Maru, and Jaron Hatch. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show. We appreciate it. Now we'll go to Patreon comments, the last one of the season. For Learning Curve, if you're a patron at the $5 and up level, you get to leave thoughts about the upcoming episodes. We read them. Norman Buckwald says, let me move this over so I can look more directly at the camera. Norman says, Learning Curve. Oh, remember that about a third of the ship is Maquis crew? This episode attempts to explore this with Tuvok being their Starfleet trainer to this small group of misfits. The problem, I don't like these characters and I like even less how Tuvok is treating them. It's almost like he's encouraging them to want to leave the ship or rebel. <coughs> Otherwise, math for an episode that should have had much more promise. 1.5 cheeses out of 5 to sick bay immediately. I, uh, I did find I had the same
1: thought that they did after the first se- tra- training scene where after they just walked out i was thinking what really is there to force them to do this like it's not like right, they're not yeah. part of starfleet you know they yep. what are they going to do put them in the brig for 70 years like like chicote chicote has yeah, to punch them yeah that's why you have to have that chicote scene
0: yeah i just <clears throat> i that chicote scene was i mean one of the bigger things is that I think a few of the patrons are going to mention it too. It's like, I understand ending the season on the Starfleet and Maquis conflict storyline, but boy, did they fuck it up by not having Chicote be a man stuck between two worlds where he has to oh, like totally. yeah. enforce things and like operate like this. Cause the, the punch only really doesn't work because it's so antithetical to how Chicote has been portrayed through the season right. so far, which is that right. he's, yeah. um, He's inferior to Janeway and just sort of is her right-hand man for most of the part. But if, if he was played more as he's trying to hold these two different factions off of each other while he's got his own political machinations going on and he doesn't want to be implicated in Maquis stuff, then it makes sense and it works. And he's like, listen, you just have to go through this. That's the way it is. Yeah. I kind of
1: – when he punched him and he's, and he's like, isn't that also how the Maquis do things? In my head, I was like, I've never seen that ever. By Maquis guys, I was kind of hoping Dalby would be like, "No, we've never done that before." And then Chakotay would be like, "Yeah, see, there's new rules all around, and you better get used to it."
0: So go back to go back to work. We don't write down our rules; it's an oral tradition. That's just what we say. More of a
1: guidelines a list of guidelines than any hard rules. It's
0: more of a culture, more of a culture yeah. than a strict rule set. Is what I would argue.
1: Do you I consider the, a- the Maquis more of like a
0: flash mob, more than anything else. <laughs> James McLennan says, I think people are harsh on this one. It's not great, but it's okay. I at least give the episode credit for revisiting the premise of Starfleet versus Maquis that the show forgot about after two episodes. Tuvok's very aggressive with the Maquis crew members, which would work better if there was a purpose other than, well, he's just a Vulcan. The ending is trite and predictable, but ultimately it's a serviceable episode that wouldn't be as strongly disliked if it was not the finale. I stand by my statement that Eye of the Needle should have been the finale. Three infected gel packs out of five.
1: Is this one generally disliked i think so
0: yeah Hmm. people seem people seem pretty we'll get to some of the comments people seem fairly negative about it um who's who's this jonathan jk morris says if there was one way to easily tweak the first season in the eventual 4k remaster and focus on our if there was one way to easily tweak the first season in an eventual 4k remaster and focus on the character's Oh, it would be to swap this episode for Eye of the Needle and dub the star dates in the logs. What a weird episode to end out a season. Oh, yeah, because UPN, again. Three laps of the cargo bay out of 50. I mean five. Kensito says, when Chicote decks the crewman who disagrees with him, all I could think was this, this should have been how Chicote behaved all along. A raging bear that Janeway rarely agreed with and had to fight to keep in check, but who she needed in the first officer role to unite the two crews. Sadly, we didn't get that. All we got was Chakotay. An enjoyable episode, but an odd finale. Three out of five.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he's the biggest... Uh, misfire. Uh, misfire, yeah. yeah. Except for Tom I, Paris, who...
0: Tom Paris has one like, line in this episode, I think. And when he says yes. it, I was like, where has he been for about six episodes? I feel like we haven't seen him in a long time.
1: Yeah, he pops up like about three quarters of the way through this one, and then he just sweats for the last ten minutes.
0: Yeah, he has a... He has a weird. His line is just weird because, like, I, I remember I hadn't seen him, but it's like looking down at him as he's looking at his calm, saying like, "We're not going fast enough," and then he's just propulsion. To somebody else. Propulsion is down. Propulsion is, is down. That kid Ben says learning curve once again torn away from that riveting hollow novel. I know we're never going to get to the. We're never going to get kids, to the meat of that story. I thought the
1: kids in that that thing were good. Those were creepy ass kids. The one
0: playing the boy was very good. Yeah. It's almost implying something's going on in her hollow program, right? Before it like sort of shuts down. There's some weirdness going on there with the kids. And I liked her. um, I just thought it was a cute line about she's like, I might not know a lot about English or whatever she says, but I'll teach you some science and math that'll blow your minds. I thought that that was kind of a cute (laughs) uh, thing. Jonas says, Learning Curve, this is a solid episode, though it doesn't seem like a finale. In an earlier episode, Tuvok traded stories to another species for their warp tech against the captain's orders. Now he violates the rule of many versus the few. I like where his character is going. The science in this episode is entirely forgettable and strictly in service of the tale of Tuvok and his Maquis cadets. Overall, it's a good one. Four out of five. Four. Yeah. of librarian says, You'd think Tuvok would know the Maquis crew a little better since he served with them as a spy. That's a good point. The holographic doctor being fine while everyone else was dripping sweat was a funny visual gag. I enjoyed the slice of life type season finale. Four pieces of space cheese out of five. Andrew Million says, could you imagine if Saru punched someone on Discovery like Chakotay did here? The next five episodes would be about that person crying that Saru hates him. Fortunately, we don't get that here. What we do get is a decent but predictable story about Tuvok learning to bend a little bit. Decent end to the season. Nothing great. Three Chakotay punches out of five.
1: Is there something inherently funny about cheese?
0: It's a funny word. Yeah. Cheese is a funny word.
1: I guess as a concept, it's fairly humorous when you really think about it.
0: Like the... um, the making of it or just the idea yeah. that cheese would exist anywhere? I guess
1: both. But I feel like it's always it's always kind of like a go-to. It's one of those go-to things for, for humor is cheese. Yeah. Because I think there's an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, actually, it's my, it might actually be my favorite episode where they're, they're all having these weird nightmares and there's this running character who pops up who's just... Cater, he's just taking care of six slices of american cheese <laughs> sure um and it's just i don't know for some reason cheese is like a go-to for for humor i'm not sure why
0: you know that american cheese is technically not cheese <clears throat> that wouldn't surprise me at all yeah american it's not, it's, lots of stuff is
1: not technically american or, yeah or i think i'm remembering this make.
0: right it's not made in the way that cheese is technically made it's you not. Know, it's not fermented or something
1: I'm really I'm really upset because I watched the episode of my f- <laughs> Shit. of my uh, favorite <laughs> my phone just <laughs> fell off my table uh, my favorite television show the Foods that made America did a whole episode about American cheese so I should be able to answer this but I cannot remember anything about it
0: I think and don't quote me I think that American cheese is made by basically condensing and dehydrating milk. So it's not an aging process that makes mm-hmm. it. I think that's what it is. I might be I wrong. Can't,
1: but- I, I can't remember. I think there was there was a. I think you're pro- probably right. And I think a big part of it was uh, preserving it was the big hurdle, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Because originally they sold it in like uh, jars or something, and it just oh. it just got rotten really quickly. So hmm. I think I think that has something to do with it, but I can't remember exactly what it is. Watch that show though. Great show.
0: We tend to have respect for foods that take uh, fermentation or aging, like cheese and wine and beer and stuff like that. It's like a, mm-hmm. it seems to be tied to like the human spirit, and somehow in some way, our ancient ancestors made it, and now we, we still uh, make it and eat it, everything like that. And then um, we eventually
1: find a way to make it faster and worse, so yes. we can eat more of it.
0: This, I, I do like different cheeses. Though, like when there's a cheese yeah. platter, I find that really interesting that all the cheese can taste so different.
1: I I also do. I, I'm a big fan. However, and this may be sacrilegious to many people, I think American cheese is the best cheese to put on stuff. Oh, like like a cheeseburger with cheddar cheese doesn't really do anything for me. American oh cheese all the way. Yeah.
0: Hard. Oh wow. Hard disagree. We'll have to keep going before the the podcast splinters into nothingness at this point about <laughs> American cheese. Yeah, I um to put on things i guess we always go with swiss or cheddar those are our yeah. two cheeses that we put on stuff but i
1: for some reason i feel i just feel like it it retains its taste more when you melt it into things like yes. it, whenever i make eggs i, I have, i've made it with bunches of different cheese but i always end up you know american cheese is always my favorite i'm not sure why mm.
0: parmesan parmesan's a good that's seasoning a good one. Cheese yeah. that goes on that goes yeah. on eggs and stuff Changeling says, learning curve, it cannot be over-exaggerated how much of a death trap Starfleet ships are. They use biological computer parts that cannot be replicated. And during a blackout, their manual override for the doors don't work. I only assume to keep out the toxic gas that pumps throughout the ship. Also, did anyone find it weird how Dalby having a really dark backstory about his bejoined girlfriend be raped and killed by Cardassians came out of nowhere? Especially since the show ends with one of the cheesiest wrap-ups in a bow lines I've ever heard. Too precocious punchable brief refubescence out of five people live for that story cal barrett well, says that almost <laughs> everybody lives for that story cal <laughs> barrett says the show gives us a story it should have been telling all season with the maquis integration but does so in the smallest and most insignificant way with the characters we've never seen before and we'll never see again instead of torres or paris after running the hallways in Air Jordans, they all come to the most unrealistic, cringy, and quick understanding at the end, including Tuvok. The conflict resolution feels like the ending of a kid show. I wish the Maquis pushback had made Janeway reconsider her opinion, reconsider her opinion, and allow for more relaxed rules going forward, like letting everyone wear mementos of home that aren't regulation. Because if not, what is the point of the whole setup of this series? <clears throat> the only thing stopping the episode being a total disaster is the greatest line in Star Trek history: "Get the cheese to sickbay." two Cardassian gang rapes out of five. There's, um,
1: I mean, this season alone has had two good ones, which is get the cheese to sick bay and
0: there's coffee, coffee. in that nebula. Yeah, big, big foodie uh, big foodie favorite of Star Trek fans. <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, Khaled said something there. I just quickly... It is weird that the Maquis aren't main characters in mm, this. Yeah. Like, uh, they've obviously gone past that point, but it would make more sense if it was those two.
1: It is... It's still – it's a very strange thing to me but that they set up the season and the show so um, specifically. Yeah. And then they just really kind of dropped that stuff to the side and didn't really do anything with it.
0: I think we'll have a big conversation about that at the season wrap-up because I do have mm-hmm. thoughts about this at this point, whether or not like <clears> – <throat> whether or not it's an, even a sustainable idea is my mm-hmm. problem. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Point G says there's coffee in that nebula versus take that cheese to sick bay. It's there a whole go. season to start dealing with the Maki crew members. It didn't take much for them to fall in line. And Janeway's crappy holodeck program is even crappier with a kid that's eight going on 40. That boy ain't right. I He's favorite. a famous kid actor. I think I've seen that kid. Oh, is he really? A, a billion, oh, okay. I think I've seen him in a billion things or he just looks like every
1: other actor. My favorite part about that sequence was how frustrated she was when it started to break Yeah, as though it's like, she's like, God damn it! Why can't I just be this governess for a while?
0: She's got to de-stress. We'll talk about Janeway in the wrap-up too. Quick power rankings teaser for the wrap-up. Where's Janeway on your captain's power rankings tier?
1: Uh, out of just the captains?
0: Yeah, just the captains. Uh, <clears throat> we can include Pike
1: too, if, that, if that's helpful. Current current he's, Pike he's a captain now. Uh, does Picard does does Picard's average get brought down by the last two seasons of shows? That's up, that's up to <laughs> you. That's up to
0: you. How heavily that impacts? No, I you. wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't do that to him. Um, geez, I don't know because I, I I do like Janeway, but is she right in you, the middle of the pack or is she? I think she's to the bottom. I think she's probably just outside the middle because I mean, Kirk, Kirk and Picard and, and Sisko are pretty undeniable. Yeah. And then I feel like she's probably next after that and then Cisco and then Archer. Sorry. Um Pike and then Archer probably.
0: Yeah. For me she's ahead of Archer. Um mm-hmm. she she has a tough thing in that we've only seen 15 episodes of her to this point so mm-hmm. there's there's mm-hmm. less to go on. Um I would have her somewhat towards the bottom there like I think Pike is actually a better Mounts Pike is a, a more interesting character than she is at this point. Um, I don't dislike her, but I feel that they have not really defined her well at this point. Where after one yeah. season, I think you get, I think you get the other captains after a season. I she likes science; that's her thing. Yeah, I I kind
1: of wish. I think there's like she's only a couple clicks away from being well defined because, like, as when I when I see her, what I'm seeing is. Someone who is a little bit out of their depth, who is capable as a commander and capable as a captain, but is ultimately either new at it or hasn't quite figured it all out yet because she is more of a a science officer who is maybe not totally used to the position that she's in. But they don't really lean into that and they don't really play her that way. Um, and And I don't think that she needs to be less... Uh, intimidating or less believable than any of the other guys to do that. But um, I, I do – I have enjoyed when they do let her be vulnerable. I think those scenes have been very good, and I do like that with her as a captain because I, I feel like she gets she gets more of that quicker than I think some of the other captains have. Like I don't remember – I don't know if – I don't remember specifically, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really remember them doing that with Picard – too much early on, like getting scenes where you're really kind of getting uh, a look into her, his personal thoughts on the situation. He's a little bit more aloof. Yeah. Um, and with Kirk, Kirk always kind of had Spock and McCoy to kind of play those roles for him. So he didn't have to necessarily project that stuff. So I like to, I like seeing her have doubts and, and struggle with stuff a bit more, um, openly uh as far as the show goes
0: sorry i bumped the mic um yeah i i think they should have because what i think that what you're saying about how she seems like she's out of the league it almost comes across as an unintentional writing decision where no one's really conscious of the idea that this is what her character is supposed to be but the stories get written that way Mm -hmm. i actually I actually think that it works for her because it works for her as the first female captain main cast member of the franchise, I think. I think mm-hmm. that I think that you can write subtext into her that she's playing in a boys club that she doesn't feel like she belongs in. She has to try extra hard to make it work out for her. Like she's sort of scared of being not taken seriously or not taken, like not respected just because of who she is. And I think mm-hmm. that you can do that in a way that it naturally fle- reflects her sort of insecurity and inexperience while being stranded a million miles from home. And I think that it comes across well, it's kind of the same way that like, um, they embraced, they embraced Cisco's blackness, but it wasn't like, it wasn't the only thing about him, you know, like, right. like they just right. had episodes every once in a while that dealt with that. But Outside of those, he was just a, he was the more aloof, like sort of strange nebulous captain, which is kind of why I kind of like him so much. Mm-hmm. But I think Janeway could have been the same thing where it's, just, it's, a, it occasionally touches on her womanness in a way that is not, she likes gothic, like Bronte novels, like a little bit, something a little bit better, more interesting than that. And I think that that would have mm-hmm. been a way to do it. So well, we'll
1: one of the things that I, it just occurred to me now, and again, I might be wrong. I might be forgetting someone else, but. I think she's she's the only female on the bridge, right? Yeah. Yeah, which I mean is is a is an interesting choice that had, I I'm I'm assuming that is by design. Um and I think you yep. can go bo- a couple ways with that, where whether or not it's to uh emphasize her position of strength or to point out that isolate she her. is Yeah, to isolate her and point out that she is in, you know, a bit in in what is traditionally more of a boys club, like that great shot in Silence of the Lambs at the beginning when Jodie Foster goes into, the, into the, uh, the elevator and she's surrounded by men who are like a foot and a half tall. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's a pretty clear illustration of, of what she's dealing
0: with. Yeah, it's, the, <clears throat> um, it's the opposite of Mount Unstrange in the World. His bridge crew is almost all female, interestingly. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, the only, he's the only male. Uh Woodrow says, Learning curve, I feel like I missed an opportunity to highlight what makes a Starfleet officer better than a militiaman and vice versa. I could have used a lot more how would you handle this situation and less running laps. My favorite thing was the hollow novel. What happened to Mother? For a finale, it's a two out of five. Undiscovered Mugato says, Oh shit, Janeway's back in the Jane Eyre hollow novel again. Luckily she can't finish because the ship got COVID from Neelix's homemade feta recipe. It's nice of the show to remember that they're a Maquis aboard and resolve some of those conflicts by getting sweaty although they do all decide to be good little boys and girls rather abruptly. B'Elanna gives the ship a fever, and there's more sweating, and suddenly I'm wondering if the bio-neural gel packs can get sick. Can they also get drunk? Maybe <clears> next season. A solid three mint juleps out of five. Matt Ross says, I like the concept here, but I think this needs to be an ongoing theme and more of it in an ongoing storyline. I like Chicote punching Kevin Nealon and two ice T- T- <laughs> drill instructor long walks around the ship. I found it idiotic that the first guy didn't think to call engineering that he was pulling stuff apart right when Janeway was getting to the horror story Victorian porn fantasy. I still don't buy the over-rigidity of Tuvok or the 180 of the Maki Misfits. Unintentionally funny to me is Tuvok increasing the gravity while a regular crewman in the back hallway just quickly walks by. But also, what about the people in their cabins when they notice things got heavier? Sir, three boot camps out of five, sir. <laughs> I feel like the... The unintentional sexual tension of look me in the eyes when I'm talking to you kind of thing. He's like, you, you look at me, sir, when you're Brandon Howell says, You, should, you Chris, should
1: try a mustache for yourself,
0: Chris. <laughs> I, just I can't decide which I hate more in this episode. Jenway's hollow novel, Neelix infecting the gel packs with cheese, Tuvok's inflexibility and the Maquis crew finally deciding to, to obey orders. Why did it take the ship this long to bring up the Maquis-Starfleet conflict? And why didn't Chicote Deck someone episodes ago. Two pieces of infectious cheese out of five. Grapple John Zorn says Even though the Chicote Punch is possibly the worst blocked in television history, what five of those sprinkled throughout season one wouldn't have done for my appreciation of this show. Dalby rubs his jaw, half acting and half pondering if I rub my jaw, is it going to convince anyone that an over rotated left hand, half ass body weight <laughs> free cuff to the puss actually hurt? I liked a lot of the character stuff in this episode, but we'll see. Long-term character arcs are less shaped like arcs and more like family circus-style meanderings through a forest of writers, showrunners, and execs who can't decide where they're going. Excellent family circus uh, reference. <laughs> and let's just say it out loud how they got out of the B-plot jam. Paris deactivates the nacelle control system, says to direct a high-energy plasma burst system so as to, uh, from a symmetric warp field, that has to be inverted and brought to 80% of the ship's power using auxiliary power and all the power from the AC while the ship is standing still, good thing the ship doesn't have sentient AI and is at risk of having an anxiety attack while singing a jazz standard Four infectious splits out of five that
1: um that punch was really awkwardly yeah uh, the show is just <laughs> the show is not good at physical action yeah. for some reason anytime people have to fight each other it looks like trash
0: uh, <clears throat> the, the blocking for it was the most difficult acting angle to rely on it to be a one-shot thing yeah you know, they don't yeah. cut it they just do it's chakotay punches towards camera and the actor has to pretend they have to get the impact to look real in a way that is like you know if you're if you're standing with your back to the camera and you punch across you can more effectively fake a punch that way you don't have to be mm-hmm. anywhere near someone as long as your timing looks okay right. But the coming at the camera is just a weird decision
1: should have him a clothesline. That's Boom, right. Come Close a, line come from across. hell.
0: Get, get JBL in there and just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> spin, spin <laughs> over the top rope. Lariato. F- uh, Clef says, finally, an episode that shows more conflict between the Maquis and Starfleet. Good to know the Maquis discipline is based on sucker punches. The no babble stretches belief. Did Starfleet really put non-replaceable biotech throughout a ship without it giving it an immune system? But overall, it's a good episode with some fun moments. Three bullions awkwardly standing behind Chakotay waiting for their chair out of five two more jaron hatch says it's a somewhat abrupt ending to the season but it's certainly welcome to see some conflict between the maquis and starfleet it really makes one wish there was more of this throughout the entire season the resolution may be predictable by the numbers and while the story itself isn't memorable this episode is great at us- utilizing its cast in secondary roles demonstrating why voyager has one of the best ensembles and trek side note does janeway's holodeck program indicate that she subconsciously romanticizes her ship's predicament and sees herself as the crew's loving but strong-willed caretaker Three Calzetti pendants out of five. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I mentioned in the previous episode, Janeway's Hollow novel is interesting in that she, the captain of this powerful starship who listens to no one, becomes a subservient uh, female in that sure. era of like calling people my lord and stuff like that. That's the most interesting to me. Hey, some people, you know, you let off steam in different ways. You can't be in charge all the time. You do makes sense I, I would be interested to explore it I just don't know I don't know maybe it's just a runner she never gets to the point of her hollow novel she's just in there constantly and it never <laughs> turns into anything. much
1: like much like a real novel from that time is I don't, yeah. like you get about a three halfway in and then you kind of forget about the rest of it
0: we need to get to the point where she marries someone that we just met at the end of her hollow novel yes, and we go okay. exactly yes. Royo says unfortunately this is where the stupid starts showing up on Voyager. Janeway wants the Maquis to feel like members of the team, so Tuvok thinks it's a good idea to go all Captain Sobel on their asses, Band of Brother reference, making them feel like press-ganged conscripts. When Dalby complains these punishments feel like punishments, <clears throat> Torres jumps to the idiotic conclusion that he's just afraid he can't make it through boot camp. It turns out the Voyager, a ship designed for long-range science missions, deep space science missions, can't handle deep space missions due to these gel packs requiring the ship to stick close to the Federation for resupply. Also, Neelix endangers the ship with cheese, one point five out of five.
1: Wow, that's uh, that's a series that we should do if we run out of stuff to do. We'll just say pretend
0: it's in space. Let's do Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. Yeah. cerulio last comment. I really wish this tension between Starfleet and the Maquis would have been ongoing during the entire season. It makes no sense that they included the Maquis to recreate some of DS9's factional tension, only to do nothing with it. While I find Neelix to be an annoying character, the older I've gotten, the more I realize that sometimes people are just annoying. So i have going to appreciate Ethan Phillips' portrayal. I really like the episode <laughs> where Neelix and Tuvok... Uh, interact because they're perfect foils for each other, and I enjoy the tone in which Neelix tells Tuvok that he's being inflexible. As for the gel pack story, it seems like quite a design flaw that Voyager wasn't designed with tried-and-true isolinear backups for this new tech that the primary systems depend on. Three laps around the cargo bay out of five. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for supporting the show. Thanks for leaving your comments about Learning Curve, the season finale of the first season of Star Trek Voyager. Clay, on a scale of one to five, what are you going to give Learning Curve?
1: I'll give it a three. I liked it. You know, it okay. didn't blow me away. It had it had a lot of stuff in it I enjoyed. Um, I I've just been really surprised by this season and how much I've enjoyed it just across the board. Like I haven't, I don't really think there's one that I thought was a stinker. I've just, uh, at least not in the not in the same way that Enterprise consistently yeah. felt. Uh, like like I I think there's there's there feels like there's less of a formula to this show so far it does yeah whereas yeah. enterprise kind of has that formulaic element to it where it's like all right now this is the part right, right from the start yeah, yeah enterprise
0: like, never never developed past it it started with it and it went four seasons with it
1: yeah this one this one i feel like all that story well except for at the beginning where they they ran into like four temporal anomaly nebulas in like three episodes or something yes but yeah they do like you aside from that, in this one. yeah aside from that I feel like they've they've kept things fairly novel and done kind of different things every episode and most of it's been interesting and there's just there's just a certain um, There's something about the cast that I find more engaging, I think, than yeah. than some of the some than Enterprise. Um, I think they use them better. I think yeah. Like
0: right from the start, they're, they're like, you know, we haven't seen Paris in a while, but we had a lot of Paris early on. You see Torres every once in a while. Harry Kim is kind of reliably there in the background. Chicote, the Doctor. It it just feels that they've. Um, maybe that's what helps the the formula too. It's like Enterprise was pretty relentlessly Archer focused. Like Archer right, is the. Right. the Guy who does everything in that one, so it's nice that, um, well, it's left Janeway a little bit ill-defined. She is not nearly as prominent in the storylines. Kind of reminds me of Cisco. Yeah. Cisco is yeah. the same way. Cisco is not really the main character in the first season of DS Nine. Yeah, Janeway.
1: Janeway feels like the captain, but not to the point that she's in every episode at the front, yep. front and center all the time. Yeah.
0: Thanks, everybody. Oh, I didn't write it yet. Um, I will give it. I think I, I think I'll give it a two. It's a, it's like mm-hmm. a high two. Um, I just thought it was a little. I thought it was a little wonky. I thought I thought it was charming, and I kind of laughed while I was watching it. But I, I think it's a story that just could have been done better than what it, it, it mm-hmm. ended up being. Like even to just sure. bring it up to mediocre. I just, I just felt like the I feel like the Tuvok storyline was just a misfire, um, and it should have been better to make this be a kind of average episode. But it's fine. I, th- I thought it was fine. I just think that uh, I'll give it a two just to even out our average so that it doesn't end up somewhere higher than I think it should be. <laughs> so that's it. I'll give it a two. Clay gives it a three. That's it for Star Trek Voyager. Our wrap-up will be the next episode. Support the show at patreon.com slash the All the extra stuff is over there. Anything you want to say, Clay, before we sign off? Um, keep
1: checking out Rotten Heart Picture Show and Badass Beyond. Um, thanks for, thanks for listening to our, uh, Patreon coverage of the Stephen King second string. Uh, recently on badass, we talked, we did an episode about, uh, the Batman beyond character Shriek who features fairly prominently in the upcoming white Batman, white knight, red hood miniseries that I wrote with uh, Sean Murphy. So if you want to hear us talk about that a bit, you can uh, find that in the Shriek episode and more so. On the episode that we did on Patreon last month, or mm-hmm. whenever this mm-hmm. comes out, a couple months from then.
0: Yeah, this comes out in a month from now. We'll be in mm-hmm. June, end of June. So, well, hope in that you're case, keep your eyes June. open. Keep hope your eyes open to- for Red
1: Hood because that'll be coming out in July.
0: We um, June June Juneteenth is now a federal holiday, but I don't get it off from work. How does How does that work? Uh, don't federal holidays always get you the day off at work? I know you don't have is, a strict office job, but is
1: Columbus Day uh, a federal Columbus holiday? Is not federal. I don't no. think so.
0: I don't know. Maybe it I is. Have no idea.
1: Because I know Are a lot of other people don't get Columbus Day
0: off. Let me say what's a list of <laughs> list of federal <laughs> holidays. New Year's, Martin Luther King, Washington's birthday, Memorial Day, Juneteenth, Independence Day, Labor Day, Columbus Day is a holiday.
1: Okay. Yeah. I feel All like right, there's so a lot of people that don't get Columbus Day off. I
0: don't get Columbus Day off. Yeah. It's because they're sticking it to the man right there. <clears throat> they're saying, yeah. <laughs> you got to work on Columbus Day. We don't um, – although, you know, Boston always gets uh, – Patriots, Patriots Day. Patriots Day off. I did no one, not realize no that.
1: for a long time that that was exclusively a Boston thing. Yeah. Until I asked my friend one time, like, oh, what are you doing today? And they're like, I'm at work. So put it's Patriots Day. I'm like, what the hell is Patriots Day?
0: <laughs> I'm in California. Don't have time for this. What's yeah, the, the other Patriots- name? Is it
1: Evacuation Day? Is that the other name yep, for it? Yep, Evacuation
0: Day, yeah. which always sounds like um, like uh, just a gastrointestinal disease day mm-hmm. after you have, to yeah. have some bad sushi. Um, any other No veterans? No, and I guess we we always get the day off after Thanksgiving now. Like that's become a kind of an unofficial oh, yeah, holiday. Yeah, so, yeah. I you know. can't wait
1: to hear you call into C SPAN to explain why you don't agree with Juneteenth <laughs> being a national holiday if you don't get it off for work.
0: <laughs> well what what's the big deal if it's if it, you know, <laughs> like give people a day off. This doesn't know. affect me, so why why do you even have it? Well all that means is that federal workers don't work, right? So it's I, yeah, just I like the so. government. Yeah. The government gave themselves the day off. So good for them. But <laughs> 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 what about the rest of us? It is really just a
1: big pat on the back to the government saying, "Look what we did."
0: The, I, I was just the, the. It's nice to have a holiday in June, but the the long stretch they haven't reconciled yet, which is that after President's Day, it's three months until Memorial Day, and it's the yeah. longest stretch without a holiday. We need a holiday in there, is what we yeah. need. Yeah, is is MLK Day on his birthday? Can't be right. It's always a Monday. It doesn't have a specific date, so it must be. I'm not
1: totally sure, actually.
0: I would I would move MLK Day. We have lost
1: all of the listeners
0: that are not in the United States (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Listen, you want to hear about fixing Star Trek? You need to fix my (laughs) holiday schedule calendar. MLK Day needs to be in early mid April. I think that makes sense. Then you get then you get a good spread of holidays there. Unless it's on his birthday, then we can't move it. But I don't think it is. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Check your PTO hours, and we'll see you next time with our wrap-up of Star Trek Voyager. See ya.